This is episode number 130 of the Rising Man podcast with Stephen Benedict. Experiences in life are nothing more than another day of training to become a champion. Blessings and good rising to you, family. Jetty Azuma here. I am the host and creator of this podcast, as well as the founder of the Rising Man Movement. And first and foremost, I want to say welcome. Welcome back. Welcome to the Rising Man space if this is your first time. You know, we're here on a mission to initiate an entire generation of men. And I've really made a point to say that at the beginning of each of these episodes so that it really starts to land. That that's what we're up to here. Every conversation, every opportunity to lean into the Rising Man space to become a greater part of our men's circles and to get the support that you need to be a champion in your life, to be the leader that your family, your community, everyone around you needs you to be, it starts by becoming an initiated man. And it starts by gathering the support you need to hold yourself accountable. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't make sure I reminded you guys to head over to risingman.org and take a look at all the opportunities we have for you guys to lean in to take that next step on your journey towards becoming the man you've always wanted to be. Whether that's becoming a part of our virtual men's fire circles and jumping on and being a part of your own men's team, once and for all, having a team of men around you from all over the world who can support you in your life and in your pursuits. Or if it's jumping in on our next round of compass initiations where we go out and we fast in the mountains and the desert for four days, four nights on your own, whatever that is, whatever you're being called to, I challenge you, I call you forward to lean in and become a bigger part of this Rising Man family because we're waiting for you. We're counting on you. So go check it out, risingman.org. Okay, today's guest is Stephen Benedict. As a professional track and field athlete and Olympic trials qualifier, Stephen Benedict has run in some of the world's most prestigious events. He's been featured in 50 national and international magazines such as Train, ESPN Magazine, Men's Fitness, Men's Health, and Fitness RX. Stephen offers advice and motivation to elite and up-and-coming athletes alike. Beyond the track, he's the founder of Fostering Success, a nonprofit organization that pairs professional athletes with foster kids and is a powerful motivational speaker and author. His childhood began in an abusive home, which resulted in he and his brother's placement in foster care. The pain of the losses he suffered in his early childhood and early adulthood nearly ended his professional career. But as history would repeat itself once again, Stephen defied the odds and is back stronger than ever to be proof that experiences in life are nothing more than another day of training to become a champion for others. In this episode, we discuss having the heart of a champion, why every human is capable of having a never-die attitude. We discuss the resilience Stephen was able to cultivate for himself through growing up in foster care, losing his foster parents unexpectedly, and navigating his way through substance abuse and depression. Stephen introduced many concepts he's used as an athlete to succeed in every area of his life, including the idea of running through the finish line and always giving 120%. One of my favorites, one of my favorites. And last but not least, we talked about the role of humility in leadership and how the next generation of leaders will impact the future of humanity. Without further ado, Stephen Benedict. Well, Rising Man family, I've got another amazing man here on the show today. I'm going to be real transparent right off the bat, man. This is take two. We did take one and it didn't it didn't come out so well because of a technical issue. So take two, I got my man, Stephen Benedict, back in the building live from Culver City. 
How are you today, my brother? I am excellent in the current times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were just talking about that. You know, quite a quite a bit has escalated in just the time since we last tried this recording out. So, you're right there in the heart of LA, man. Tell us how it is for you and and what you've been experiencing, what you've been noticing. Gosh, you know, you see, there's so many dynamics happening all at once. You know, you have COVID and, and you have the protests and. And it's just all coming together into one head of, head of steam. So it's just making things like even worse for everybody to kind of like cope with not only the isolation aspect, but now it's almost like a reason for them to get out, to voice their opinions. So like I was saying earlier, I feel like there's there's been two dynamics going on. You know, you have the people who are protesting and wanting to hear their voice and wanting to, you know, be known and be heard with their cause, which is needs to happen, especially now. It should have happened years and years ago, but seems like this is the time where it's really going to shape and hopefully form into something of forward progress. And then you also have, you know, the other dynamic of people who there's always that, that dynamic of how can we profit off of a negative situation you now? And I, I feel like there was a lot of that going on with the looting and the rioting and things like that. So it, it was tough to watch on both sides. I got my hands dirty in, in quite a few things. Uh, you know, I helped out with a lot of you know, private small owner business, uh, businesses to help board up their, their stores and do their cleanup and stuff. You know, that, you know, they, they, were, they were in the heart of it. And, you know, they didn't ask for this. They weren't there for that. They, it wasn't there doing that everything that was happening. And then also having some very tough conversations over the week. So it's been a full week. Yeah, man. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad that you shared that piece because it's so tempting for the media to highlight the chaos and the destruction because that's what feeds the, the energy of nervousness and fear. And I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of just tune out the news in times like this for the most part, aside from just ca- catching a general pulse of things. But I'm, I know for sure they're not highlighting folks who are going out and, and taking responsibility for it as a, on a community level, you know, going out and getting their hands dirty, helping the people who have businesses that are hurting, that are suffering. And I, I, I get it. I know that I don't understand what it's like, especially what it's like to be black in an America right now. I'm, I'm done trying to understand that because I don't think I ever will. But I understand pain and I understand right. suffering. And I've been able to witness that and see that and really hear that in a lot of these conversations I've had with some of my brothers who are men of color, who are hurting right now, men that I've known for years who I've never had a conversation at this depth and level with. So I'm grateful on that level that it's opening my own eyes. But I, I'm glad that you shared that story about yourself because to me, that is back to, you know, back to the conversation we're having. That's, that's a true definition of a man doesn't matter. You're, you're not the one who's going out there and, and oppressing people do- directly or overtly, but you're taking responsibility for your community. You're going out and helping in whatever way that you can. So I think we need to be able to feel the suffering as a community, but we also need to be the solution and to be the resolution as a community as well. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, uh, for me last week, one of the main things that I did was I think it's super important. And as you said, you know, predominantly what my experiences were is one, I'm in a sport where I am Mm -hmm. dominantly the minority in my sport. So I have the different dynamic, you know, and I've always had black coaches and I've always been a pretty much one of the only white athletes in camps. So I've seen that dynamic from a different perspective, from a perspective of, I I have one coach in, in specific, you know, and a very prolific coach, but he, you know, very old school coach, and but he had 
saw it fit that I could hear in his voice that it was an opportunity for him to let out all his generations of, of hurt and of trials and tribulations out on me at the particular time during camp. But his, one of the most, one of the statements that he made that I'll never forget is that I come down on you hard and I, I give it to you hard like that because I know you can take it. So my thing is like, I know, I know that he's got a lot of pain and I know that he's fighting through a lot of things. So I don't project that back on him. So I, I, I laughed it off and I, yeah, I said, you know, I know you're right. I can take it. Um, I don't try to, I'm not there to try to say, yes, I understand. Yes, I know where you're coming from because I don't. I think it's on the level of, it's not from our experiences in which we relate because we all have our own stories. Actually, we, we all are our own stories. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's the emotional pieces in which we can connect on universally. That's the universal language for us. Yes. Yes, man. And I was just on a, a panel, uh, a call this past weekend. There's like 40, 40 plus guys on there and uh, men from all different backgrounds coming together to, to discuss what's happening and try to try to understand and discover more together. Mm. And one of the things that that I took away from it was we were talking about these processes that we do when we come together and we facilitate men's circles that you could see a man who really takes off his mask and drops into his pain when he feels and allows himself to feel that grief and it comes out of him, words become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. They don't matter at that point. Once a man is in his pain and he's feeling his grief to the point maybe where he's like shivering and crying and, you know, a wet, soggy mess, you don't need to know what those, what those tears are about to understand his pain because we've all felt that. In fact, it's the details that divide us. When we start telling our story, that begins to divide us. That's where I make a, dis- a determination. Oh, I get that because I went through the exact same thing or I don't get that. I'm just going to put myself over here. It's the, like you said, it's that feeling, it's the emotions that we connect to. And it's just such a profound thing because I've been in rooms where I've seen buttoned up, you know, neat hair, white collar type of dudes in tears and embracing gangbangers with tattoos all over their faces that had, you know, had done time in prison, just holding each other, embracing because, because they can relate to the emotion, not the, not the story. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So this is great, man. It's, we're, we're laying some good foundation for this conversation. Let's not, let me not forget to ask you, because I loved your answer the first time around. What is the difference between a boy and a man? Well, uh, right off the bat, you know, and I just, you know, and I love this question the last time you gave it to me, and, and it stands firm in my position of that one cannot be without the other. You know, when, when I say that is that the boy of who we are, I feel is the joy of the spirit, Right. And the man of who we are is the growth of experience. And by that, in our early ages, we're full of imagination. We're full of limitless thoughts. We're full of just endless opportunities. We want to be this. We want to be a superhero. We want to do that and all these aspects. As we grow older and society takes a, uh, a toll on us and tries to conform us to a narrower vision of things, we so easily forget the joy of the spirit. And for me, that's been a very big key piece. And it's not in the fact that it's not in the fact that we live as a child, but we always keep that child peace. So I think they're both one in hand in hand with each other. But the man needs to be 
what happens is that the man grows enough in order to take that boy by the hand in order to lead him instead of letting that boy lead him by his past experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that answer that you, and that that framework and that context you have around it. Cause I don't know if it's just the way that I asked the question or if it's preconditioned into us by society standards that there's almost this intonation that the boy is less than the man Mm -hmm. or that the whole point is going from boy to man. And leaving the boy behind. I know that when I was when I was a boy, all I wanted to do was grow up and become a man. Because mm-hmm. I was watching adults; they they had all the they were doing all the cool stuff, <laughs> and, and I wanted to be taller, bigger, stronger. Right. And uh, one of you know, I know my one of my own greatest lessons has been connecting back to the boy within me, and my sense of childhood, my sense of play, my sense of possibility, adventure, all these things that I now associate with the boy or just uh, a younger, more innocent version of myself. Thank God I have my son, because he's a real life reflection of that. And I, I know we talked about that yeah. last time, but really, man, he's my he's my portal to playtime every time. He, he demands it of me. And the man, the adult in me resists it sometimes, because I'm so efficient, efficiency-minded. You know, I'm looking for the big picture, and he just wants to have fun. But I need more of that in my life, too. So it's... It's an important balance to have. I agree with what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you know, and it's funny how, you know, when we're younger and when we're at that adolescent age and we're like, oh, I want to grow up. I want to be just like him. And I want to, you know, I want to be bigger already. And I want to be able to do big guy things and things like that. And then when we grow up and we com- like mold ourselves into this facade of who we think we are, we're always looking back and envying the youth of our age. We, we wish we had that time back. We wish we had this back. So it's that, that switch of roles. And if we can just find that balance of being able to keep both and bring out both or bring out that boy piece when it's most valuable, like you said, you know, I think it's, I think it's amazing that, that you, your, your son brings that out when you, and he reminds you of what it means. He's giving you those learning lessons and, and constantly giving you that poke I'd be like, hey, remember me? This is who you used to be. (laughs) Yeah, man. And and you know it because you go to the park and you see kids playing. And there's only one thing better than watching a a child in their full joy and full play. And to me, that that, the only thing better than that is seeing a grown ass man in his joy and his play, especially alongside his child. It's when you see a guy who's fully surrendered to that and embracing it, you look around and you just see people smiling. You see other grown men that are like, I wish I was doing that right now. I wish I was being more playful. I wish I was having more fun right now because... Man, that's all of us were so conditioned to do that to get right. away from it. Yeah. One of the things I love about interacting with like littles is that you know they they just spout off the craziest things, have no filter and and it's just like and then you kind of like look at them like where did you learn that or what like isn't that like ha- have you had those experiences with your son? Oh man, he's he is the epitome of that. He he literally has no filter. He talks a lot. He he's grown up around adults, you know, for the first three years of his life, he lived in a house with six adults and no, and no other children. So his vocabulary is very advanced and he's, he's just a wild man. You know, he loves to wrestle and be Tarzan. And so the big, the, the, 
way that we play together mostly is he gets that physical edge with me. He gets to be he gets to be wrestled around, thrown, teaching him how to do flips and cartwheels and all that stuff. But yeah, man, he he does it with everybody too. If he feels safe enough with an adult, I've noticed this. I watch him. If he feels feels safe with the adults that he's around, he he pulls everybody into his world. As soon as he's like, okay, this person's cool, cool, he'll pull them into his world, and it's magic. It's magic, man. And and not just him. Lots of kids do this, but I especially see it with my son. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing how uh, easily they do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, man. I pulled out a quote from your website. Because I love it. It's, it's, a, it's a mindset I definitely agree with. Experiences in life are nothing more than another day of training to become a champion. So what does that mean to you, that statement? Oh, gosh. You know, I think I've had so much experience at such an early age that, you know, from just living in and out of foster homes, from abuse situations, from neglect and abandonment, and to also the opposite side of acceptance and, and love and appreciation and just growth and opportunity. Uh, so, you know, and, and I think more so than ever within the past month, there's been a lot of, I want to say there's, there's been a lot of cleanup for me, you know, and a lot of pruning, uh, pruning back of things. And, uh, you know, some of the, some of the biggest things were me to, for me, were having to have to go back to some of those really, really tough experiences back to the beginning in order to really heal up some of the hurt um, that I've been carrying around for a very long time and has affected a lot of my relationships, my personal relationships, my intimate relationships, business relationships, all these aspects. So I think it's, I think it's within those experiences that we have two choices. We either crumble to the experience or we remain steadfast and push through it and learn or ask ourselves, how is this experience making us better? Or why is this experience happening to me instead of for me, right? Experiences definitely shape us. They, they definitely add to us. They, they build layers on, upon us. By no means can we allow those experiences to predict our future or take over our current present moments. And I think that's when that's when having a good group of people around you to be able to champion around you. And this quote came from my own experiences, but also somebody who perceives me in a light that I appreciate so very much. You know, her name's uh, Wendy Michelle and uh, very near and dear to my heart. She looks at me in a light that was, is super hard for, and has been super hard for me to see myself in. Uh, And I think, I think we are our own biggest critics and we have to really step back and give ourselves some credit sometimes and look back at what we've gone through, but don't use it as a crutch. Instead, try to use it as a catalyst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And let me actually have you go back in time a little bit and just give us a little more context behind the circumstances that you had to rise above, that you had to make it through as a, as a child, as a young man to find your way? Just, just give us an overview of some of the stuff that you've been through. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I like to say that my race started, uh, started in, in foster care. I was, I was put in, I was put in foster care at a ripe age of four months. And, and that was due to neglect and abuse from my mother just couldn't handle it at the time. And then I was put back into her hands a short period after that 
when my brother was born. And then at the age of four and my brother was two at the time, we were put into foster care permanently for about six years. And that was due to unstable living situations. We were living in and out of hotel rooms, a lot of abuse from the the man who, who was, she was dating at the time, just a lot of instability. And then we bounced in and out of foster homes for about, you know, six years. And then we were blessed enough to be adopted by two amazing individuals at the ages of eight and six. And, and then, um, you know, they just opened up our, they opened up our world and really gave us a second chance at life, exposed us to things like education and art and music and, and sports. My mother was a very bold and outspoken woman. She was a teacher, second grade teacher, impacted so many children's lives, but none more so than me and my brother. Uh, she was involved in everything we did. You know, she, well, I, I say she kind of ruled with an iron fist. <laughs> my father, you know, he, he was ex-Vietnam and Marines, and then he went on to work for Merrill Lynch in the New York Stock Exchange. You know, so she was very bold and very strongholds on everything and, and very protective of us. And my dad was really the joy of life, you know, just, just enjoying everything, every moment, laughing, always smiling. You know, when we walked through the, the malls at Christmas time, people came up to him and wanted him to be Santa Claus, you know, cause he had a white beard and everything. So it was just those two different dynamics that, you know, we were blessed enough to have. Unfortunately, we wound up losing both of them in our mid twenties. My mother to bone marrow cancer, she lost her battle within a year. And then my father only two and a half, three years after to an irreversible coma in which, you know, he had a, a freak accident down in Florida where I wound up having to make the executive decision to take him off life support. You know? so, so there's been a lot, a lot of peaks and valleys, you know, and a lot of lessons learned and a lot of life experience in a very short period of time. Yeah, man. So just thinking about the first wave of traumatic experiences mm-hmm. at such a young at such a young age where you don't even have a concept of what you're going through you're just trying to survive and find places of safety and mm-hmm. love in the world um, and then a little bit later on in life you know in your in your mid-20s when a- after being finally landing in a loving environment and then having two people that you love and that support you pulled from your life how do you how do you make sense of that uh, uh, and uh, especially if you just go back in time a little bit, I'm sure like right now right. you can make sense of it, but what was it like when you were actually going through that? What were you feeling? What were, where did you go? Those times? <laughs> it's a very dark place. <laughs> you know, the first wave of things was, I think the first wave of things was really like when I was in and out of foster care and we were just doing the, that whole experience. There was not a lot of, I want to say deep feelings of things it was a lot of suppressing, right? And a lot of a lot of more of shifting my viewpoint of, well, I was thrown into situations in which I felt like me being the oldest, I had to protect my brother. I had to absorb a lot of the situations and the surroundings that were happening at that time. So when I go back to it now, I absorbed a lot of the memories. I absorbed a lot of the situations. I have recollection of a lot of the experiences that went on my brother doesn't really have that um until later like kind of mid until we were in our last foster home um and then we transitioned you know into being adopted but all that previous those previous years he doesn't really have much so it was a lot of absorption for me you know which later came to surface and caused a lot of destruction (laughs) you know so that was that first wave of things secondly 
you know, that second wave of things was, you know, obviously we're a lot older and we're a lot more aware of what's going on. And there was a lot of heartache and there was a lot of, of, of why asking whys and, and then deviating into sections of like, you know, we, we grew up as we were in the Catholic presence. We went to Catholic school. We did our sacraments. We did all that, but you know, and, and God was prevalent at that time. And, you know, and this is, these were our beliefs. And, but when those experiences happened, there was a big pullback, right? There was like, all right, well, if there's a God that happened and there's a God that is, you know, involved in this situation and involved in this story and has his hands all over this story, then why do you keep taking away from us? Right? So those things were really tough for us at the time trying to figure out like more of asking the questions, what do we do? You know, what do we do to deserve this? And what like, so then, you know, deviated into things like, you know, alcohol abuse and, you know, there was dabbling in drugs at the time and just uh, like unhealthy habits of just building layers on top of layers of things. You know, so those were the, those were the build up the things. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Cause I think if, if all of us fight hard enough for reasons, of why our life is hard, why our life is painful, why we're not happy, then we can find plenty. Right. I think that just existence, pain is a part of existence. I think we talked about this last time that, you know, pain is something that is an inevitability of life. It's the suffering part that is a choice. It's the suffering part that is what we, what we get to decide. And I think that quote that you have on your website that I shared before is a perfect representation of that. I either see this as things that are happening to me that are making my life difficult and painful and making it hurt, or they're things that are helping me to become stronger, helping me to train to become a champion. Now, I understand that. I I, I personally have adapted that and then, what's the word, incorporated that into my life so that I don't walk around feeling like a victim. I, I believe that I'm more powerful in my life if I accept all of it as a training opportunity. But even, especially right now, you know, with the protests that are going on and, and all of these things that, that folks are vocalizing, talking about their pain, talking about their suffering, how does, a, how does that statement still apply to folks like that? You know, cause I, and I'll say this honestly, that was the, the approach I was taking early on in this whole thing and, and sharing those sentiments with some of my friends, especially my friends, you know, my black friends, people of color, they reflected back to me that there was something I was missing. There was something I wasn't listening to. They, they agreed, yes, that's a powerful position to have. And there's something that you don't get. So, so I just wonder what your, what your perspective is on that. Well, you know, I think, I think the, the, the biggest thing is that, you know, is, these types of situations, it's all good and said and done when you're, when you're not in the thick of it, right? Like we can always have that positive perspective when we're not in the thick of it. But when we are in the midst of the fire is when the things that we believe in, the things that we say to other people, can we believe them ourselves, right? Can, can we stand steadfast in our positions that we speak life into other people. Because if we can't, then we're being hypocritical of our own actions and our own words. So I think those are, I think those are very relevant to what's going on, very relevant to you know, my own situations. You know, and, 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 and I really think that you know, for me, the past week has just been really learning to listen, right? Like we, you, you need to listen before you 
try to take action before you try to understand. Don't say anything. Just be an ear. Understand. Get your resources. Educate yourself. And then find out, hey, this is not my fight. I'm not trying to lead the fight. How can I support the fight? Right? Well, and I think that should be a position for 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 me as a white male should be for all all of my other you know friends my other friend athletes and things like that and and just as if like i would want them to support me into let's say you know i'm going into supporting things of helping foster kids and 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 youth grow in exposure of diversity and knowing, having tough conversations, but also being able to learn from their experiences, not look at themselves as being abandoned or look at themselves as being forgotten, but use those experiences as catalysts. So I think the roles can be switched and, and, and that's the aspect in which I feel like a lot of the background of what's happening is not being heard is that yes, you know, We've been fighting for this for so long, so long, so long. And for the first time now, we feel like we're getting a support system behind us, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. I I like that. I like that articulation of it because I obviously, I mean, I, I'm half Japanese, half Italian. And so I remember as a kid, uh, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. There was definitely some other Asian kids, half Asian kids, but I was I was a minority for sure. I looked different than everybody I went to school with. And I, I experienced some, I don't, I don't know if I would call it prejudice, but really just kids being mean, but specifically poking around, calling me a Jap. And, and, you, and really, you, you know, you saying some hurtful things and not really knowing what to do with that when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. But I definitely won't claim to have experienced the level of, of racism and, and prejudice that that black folks have experienced, not, not even close. So when I find something to relate to, when we're talking about pain, the, the first thing that comes up in my mind, interestingly enough, is when I had a back injury about three years ago now. And I've had a couple of back injuries in my life, but this one was definitely the worst. It was, it was like an 18 month journey where I was in almost a 10 out of 10 pain every day. I couldn't bend over and tie my shoes. I was so, so inflamed. And part of my background is as a physical therapist. And the fact that I couldn't heal myself and that everything I was trying wasn't working, it, it's, it, was the only, it was the thing that has brought me closest to feeling like suicide was an option that I've ever experienced mm. in my life. And so I, I remember, and I, and I was in this work that we're doing right now during that time. So I remember having conversations with myself and with other people around me around this idea that this is, this is making me stronger. Somehow this is making me a better version of me. Mm-hmm. But in those moments of pain, in those moments of 10 out of 10, writhing on the floor, can't get comfortable, questioning if I can really go on anymore, I, I could hear the words, but I, didn't, I couldn't take that in. I couldn't see the silver lining of that experience. And I think that's what I'm hearing other people talk about right now. Like if, for example, if, if, a, if a man had just lost his, his child, if his child had just died and he was grieving over his, over his child, you wouldn't go up and pat him on the back and say, hey, don't forget this is making you a better you. Don't forget that this is making you stronger. That's, sometimes it's not what's needed, what's needed in that moment. Right. Sometimes that's not the medicine that's necessary. And so I, that's the message that I'm taking right now is, yes, we can, we can all appreciate that we're becoming better by going through this experience and 
maybe now's not the time for that. Maybe now's the time to grieve, time to process the emotion and move forward through that. I, I don't know if you've got a, a perspective on that too. You know, I don't, I don't know if so much that it's a matter of, I mean, yes, there's been casualties, you know, without a doubt, there's been countless casualties that, and we are only brought to the attention of the ones that are brought out in the news, right? I think the backstory is not, not so much is, hey, let's sit in here and grieve and let's sit and uh, count the heads as, as I guess, you, you know, you could so per se, but it's not, it's more about when does it stop? Where is the, where is the compassion for our fellow man, our fellow woman? And where is the empathetic, you know, viewpoints of things? And since when was it our, since when were we given the power to judge what was considered as human and what was cons- and not, right? And mm-hmm. I think those are mm-hmm. very relevant aspects that are very deep cuts that our fellow brothers and sisters have been, uh, been feeling for a, a long time. But like I said, that's an outside perspective, you know, and the only way that I'm able to really dive deep in that is to have tough conversations and to ask questions, right? And I think by asking the the questions, whether, you know, and it's not from a standpoint of ignorance, it's an, it's a standpoint of gaining wisdom and gaining education and, 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 you know, wanting to understand, to, to be a part of something, you know, not, not to, not to turn off the TV and, and be like, yeah, all right, like the news is going to give you a filtered and a, and a biased opinion. It's, it's when we go outside of that and get close to our friends that are going through this or close to, you know, people that we know that who've had to deal and be like, hey, look, I want to educate myself. I want to learn more. These are the questions that I have. Can you help me so that I can understand you better? Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. I... I definitely agree with you. I definitely agree with you. That's, those are really powerful words that you're sharing. And it, it makes me, it makes me think about the last conversation that we had and I was, and I was reflecting on your, your training as a, as a runner. I remember sharing something with you. It's actually funny because to, even today I have a couple of buddies who are visiting me, helping us move. And we, we I said, let's go on, let's go for a run. So we went for our run and I explained to you last time that I, I noticed I have this limiting limiting factor in my psyche where I, as I'm running, as I get close to to where I'm going to stop my run, I start to let up, you know, the last 10, 20 meters. So I've been deliberately, when I noticed that, it really bothered me about myself. So I started training and running three houses past where I told myself I was going to stop. And you told me last time that that's, that's a very fundamental part of, of racing, right? You, you run way past the finish line so that you don't let up. And today I was doing it with my buddies and we all sprinted to the line. So it was pretty cool. So I was just wondering, because being an athlete and also having the work that you're up to in your life, how do you, how, what, what lessons from the track do you bring into your personal life that have helped you the most? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Jed. And I think um, there's been a lot of correlations, you know, with, with both. And when you race or when you're building something or an opportunity or whatever the case is, you're, everybody's at a starting line. And we all have our own race that we're running. And the, and the, the stage for our own race is set every, each and every day, every morning. Every morning we get out of bed and every morning we put our feet to the floor that we're, we're stepping to the starting line, right? And, and that's when we need to set the tone. And, you know, within a race, you know, 
the only difference from, you know, is that one is that when I'm on the track, I'm on the track for 20 seconds, right? You know, it's that quick of a race. And like you said, you know, there's, I don't shoot for the finish line. I shoot for five meters after the finish line. It's almost like giving yourself a cushion, right? You know, because I've seen many races lost within that last five meters because somebody's already showboating before they even cross the finish line and they don't know how close the other person is. And that's particularly the point because when you're running your race, you need to stay in your lane, right? You need to stay in your lane, focus on how you run your race. What are your strengths within your race? And you know your, you know your race best. So you cannot, once you start looking or veering yourself to the right or the left of you with the athlete next to you, you start letting them dictate how you run. And you start letting them pull you into their race instead of you running your race. So, yeah. I, I dig. I, I like that, man. This, especially the staying in your lane one. I'm, I'm just thinking about if I'm running and I'm chasing somebody down. If I start, if I start looking over to the other lane at how that guy's doing, it takes me right out of my body. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely takes a little bit of my, my, my the octane out of my tank because mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not focused up anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's a really, really powerful metaphor. So I, I'm just wondering, as an athlete and as a competitor, what have you learned about comparison? comparison to other athletes comparison to other people because especially in the men's space it's something that we don't talk about enough there's mm -hmm. i think there's healthy competition but i also know that comparison can be a poison it can really get us down so so what do you have to say about that right you know and then that race that race parable um is just uh so relevant to that is that you know the comparison aspect is you know like i mentioned before we each have our own race you know and you're where you are in your race specifically right now, uh, there may be things that are going on that I've already experienced, that I've already run through. And the, and the same is for the opposite. Like, you know, there's there's experiences and you may be at a point in your race that, that I'm running through right now and you have already run through. But by by no means does that mean that you're ahead of me, I'm ahead of you. We've experienced things at different points of our life when we specifically need them, right? And I think that's a, a very key point and a very important aspect that we need to keep at the forefront of our minds is that, you know, there's, when we're put in those positions, let's say, you know, I'm here and I'm trying to do, I'm trying to put together a podcast or whatever the case, and you already have established that. And I'm like, at the beginning, I'm like, man, how do I start this thing? Yeah, okay, how do I, like, how do I start getting the, you know, the equipment for it, how I set up the platform platform for it and all those things. You've already done that. So you've known that what I, so like for me, it's like, it feels like a big mountain and it feels like, oh man, this guy's ahead of me or whatever. And I'm doing this. Right. But, you know, and then there's might be aspects on my side that, you know, I've built brand wise that, you know, you feel like, oh, well he's built that already, whatever. I think, I think the best part within those situations it, for a man or anybody, but especially for a man. And we have a lot of, you know, uh, ego plays, it, it plays a huge part in it. And, you know, our testosterone, you know, likes to, likes to jump in at times and be like, Oh, I'm bigger, I'm faster, I'm better, I'm stronger. But, you know, like you mentioned before, when we're able to be humble enough and be vulnerable enough to step back and be like, Hey, Jed, you're building something great here. Can you help me out with a foundation? so that I can start, you know, building out a voice that may correlate or may help you later on down the road, but also being able to build that partnership, being able to, 
you know, having that brotherhood and be like, hey, I'm going to celebrate you in your accomplishments because I know later on down the road, you're going to be able to celebrate me and my accomplishments. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, man. And that, I think that's the biggest take home message is that we can we can both win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, in a in a in a track and field event, uh, sure, there's there's one there's one winner, there's one person who gets that gold medal. Right. But in in life, we we can all win right. if we if we decide what the terms of of victory are. And I think that's where a lot of men fall short. I know I did for many years. I was I was running someone else's race. Mm-hmm. I was chasing something that what that wasn't really mine that I didn't really want. And a lot of guys that I work with, I ask them the question: If I give you full permission right now to say exactly how you wanted your life to be, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how many guys, they just fall silent. They got nothing to say because they've been running someone else's race this whole time. Right. So yeah, man, I, I, love, I, love the, I always love analogies. And I think that track, uh, athletics in general, but track specifically, man, running a race and having a goal. Because I know there's a lot of hard work that goes into what you do. There's a lot of hard work that goes into the work that you put out day in and day out. And I can tell that you're taking those lessons from the track and you're really applying them to your life. You're really applying them to your life in a big way, man. So the thing I want to ask you is, is there anything that's been left unsaid? Anything else that you still want to share or convey to an audience of men who are listening right now? You know, there's a few things, you know, one pertaining to men themselves you know, know your voice, really know your voice, know who you are, know what you stand for, know your core values, and just really strive to be, you know, we need more so than ever right now. We need, we need leaders, right? We need leaders. We need leaders not only to, to lead the fights that are going on right now, to have a voice that stand for men of integrity and honor and, you know, and, but also, a voice to lead our youth and our younger aspects of children that are coming up in such a, a volatile time uh, and to be able to not fear and to not really be scared of the fact of having tough conversations with them. You know, kids grow up at such a fast rate now, you know, you need to start planting those seeds in them so that our next generation can be the fixers of what we've so messed up and become so messy at. You know, I think those aspects are very key for men at heart, but then also our relationships, you know, our relationships on the, on the, on the back end of, you know, of with our women, um, you know, cause that's a whole another aspect of, you know, they're hurting and, you know, they, they need their voices to be heard. They want equal opportunity and they want, they want to be, treated in certain aspects but then there's also that aspect of home to to lead and provide and protect and to be compassionate towards you know what what they might be going through and i think you know it goes back to the listening aspect you know i know from my aspect from my aspect of things is that you know any conversations that i've had with my in my relationship i've always gone into it and I'm like how can i fix this you know i'm mm-hmm. a i'm a fixer you know and i want a resolution for the problem that's at hand so that we can move forward and live and love and, you know, turn it into something great. And a lot of the times it's not that it's just, we just need to be there, absorb, take the hits, be that sponge for them so they, they can get it out and, 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 and just really hone in on that, that home experience. Now, 
I don't have my, I don't have a family intact. I mean, you can answer that better than I can at this point, you know, with, you know, your family and stuff. But um, I know from the relationship that I had, especially, you know, is that, you know, I've had to grow a lot in that area for myself. I've really had to grow from a sense of just listen, learn, be empathetic, open my heart and, and just grow. You know, it's just, it's a growing aspect, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Especially, especially in the relationship domain. I think, I think we touched on that more on our, on our first take, but just the, just the spirit of that, you know, that I tell people that the, that being in a marriage is the second best personal development course that there is out there. Oh yeah. Cause every, you learn everything about yourself. The number one, is being a parent because <laughs> mm-hmm. I've done, I thought I had I thought that marriage was number one and then we had children and wow uh, mm-hmm. just a whole nother layer of having to having to face off with my stuff but but yeah man I really appreciate what you said there a lot of a lot of really great things that you shared today and I really appreciate your message and appreciate your voice and who you are and what you stand for and how you stand for what you stand for I think is even more impressive to me let me let me hit you with a couple questions and then we can we can tie yeah, it up here at the end uh, yeah so. What is one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18? I was right back to uh, that listening factor. You know, I wish I had learned to listen more in depth then than as I do now. And I mean, like really hear, not just sit, sit there and let it go in one ear and out the other, but to really absorb and to ask questions of why you're feeling like this, to keep that connection aspect between your conversations and I think that's that that's a that's a big key thing is that it's that staying connected, right? And it's just like if we don't feel like we're being listened to or we're being heard, we're automatically cutting off that connection. Mm. Yeah. You know, so I I think that's it. That's something that is really key for me right now. Mm-hmm. I dig that one. It's great. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Oh gosh, <laughs> there's so many. But I think honor, I think honor cut, cut goes across the board for me is like first and foremost, you know, is with my faith and, and hope and that stuff is, is honoring my, honoring my obedience and my, and my commitments to, you know, to God, honoring my commitments and my, uh, to my commitments to my, my relationship and honoring my, and honoring the woman that I love, making sure that she feels honored. You know, by not only the words that I speak, but also my actions more so. And then, you know, and, and doing the, I think it's just a, a circle of commitment and a circle of honor, you know, starting with, you know, with living from the inside out. I love it, man. I love that answer. So last but not least, before I cut you loose, man, uh, how can the good people out there follow you, learn more about what you're doing and, and support the work that you're doing in the world? Because it's, it's big stuff. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, I think the easiest way for everybody to get in contact with me is my, my website is www.steviebee.com, S-T-E-V-I-E-Y-B.com. And I also have a newsletter out that, you know, is weekly. I update it every week, you know, a bunch of good, really good pieces on it um, for education, for, you know, self-advancement, optimization of your body and mind and all those things. You can go right onto my Instagram, which is same thing, same, uh, same, well, uh, same, it's, uh, spelled the same Stevie B. And then in my, my drop down, there's a, uh, an email aspect that you guys can jump in there. And I'm very, you know, responsive on anything. You can find all my social media channels, anything like that. And, uh, 
open to, I love having conversations that are, you know, in depth and, and growth and helping others grow, but also helping myself grow. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I just got your newsletter today for the first time wow. and it's it's great, man. So I, I highly encourage everybody to go get yourself signed up and registered and, and follow this man. Cause uh, I can tell, man, now that we've gotten to do this twice, mm-hmm. I, just your heart and who you are, man, who you are and how you're showing up in the world is tremendous. And I'm honored to have you here on the show and I look forward to seeing, seeing how you continue to have an impact on this planet, man. No, I appreciate your time and, you know, I definitely appreciate what you're doing, you know, for, for the guys that are out there, you know, you guys definitely keep an ear to this guy. He's, he's doing, he's moving some, he's moving some big mountains for us. Beautiful, man. Well, I'll look forward to tracking you further down the road and getting you back on here so we can jam for part two. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right, Rising Man family, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed this conversation, talking with Steven, getting to know him and getting to understand another man's journey through hardship, through challenge. And the reminder I come away with is that every single one of us is fighting a battle. We're fighting battles internally, externally. Your challenges, your triumphs are no different than another man's. The only difference is in the details. So I hope that this inspires you to run through the finish line, to keep giving 120% in every area of your life and gathering support around you. If you missed the call at the beginning of this episode, make sure you go to risingman.org and find a way to become a bigger part of the Rising Man community. Get involved in the fire circles, sign up for Inferno, sign up to come join us in fast out in the deserts or up in the mountains for Compass. It's all there at risingman.org. Go check it out. Wherever you guys are listening to us, please subscribe, please register so that you get instant downloads every time we drop a new episode. Every Monday, we got the Monday morning meditations. Every Thursday, we got our interviews and conversations with amazing men from all walks of life. So please subscribe to that and give us a follow. Check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. This is where you guys can check out all the videos that we've been creating for the Monday morning meditation. So if you've just been listening, go check out the videos today. And last but not least, a big shout out to my power team, Rowan, Sean, Julian, Ryan, and Mark. I wouldn't be anywhere without my teams. And that's another reminder for you guys to go out and get yours. Come join us. Come be a part of the fire circles. But for my team, thank you guys. Thank you for everything you guys do each and every week, day in and day out. I love you guys. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.